We do have someone to our lawn. Oh, wow. Really? Yeah. That's very. Because we're never up there. Oh, yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. So, I was like, going to say, that's not very lesbian of you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I would love to do my lawn. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> Just put on some headphones. Oh, no. That sounds like, that sounds like a blast. You're on Midnight Local, the podcast from How to Drink, where we just talk about things. Movies. Uh, pop culture. Maybe some video games. That too. All the things. The things. The stuff and things. All of the stuff and the things on Midnight Local. Let's get to it. Meredith, we're talking about the D&D movie today. I'm Greg. And I'm Meredith. So if you happen to be watching the podcast this week instead of listening to it, I know some of you do, you might notice that we're not in the studio together. We are remote recording. Uh, I'm at home. Meredith's at home. Uh, and why is that? It's because my kids got incredibly sick and I cannot subject any human into coming over to my home where we record this at. So we're going to try this out. I hear it's been working for some people, so I think we can make it happen. I think so. I think it's here to stay. I think that people <laughs> are going to be able to use video chat. I think the video phone has arrived. I don't know. What do you think? This gosh darn technology. We're yeah. using it. We're going to lose a... all interaction, human want... interactions out the window. You, you want to know something crazy? This is how long sure. I, I held out so long on getting a cell phone. Um, I held out until I met my wife. That is, that is actually crazy. What year was that? 2008. <laughs> okay. So you just jumped right into the smartphone phone era. She told me if I don't get a cell phone, we're not going to be able to date. <laughs> that was a reasonable demand for her to make. Yeah. Yeah. I had a, uh, I had a, a scrap of paper that she had written, call me and her phone number on that I carried in my wallet and I would call her from landlines for a while. She's uh, getting like collect calls from Greg. Will you accept this call? Yeah, sure. I'd make a collect call when Stop I had by to. A pay for phone. Sure. I, yeah, I used pay phones. I, uh, I was a really long holdout on the cell phone stuff and, uh, didn't, didn't have them, didn't have them. And, uh, I don't know why that was. I just didn't want to talk to people. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the cell phone trend. And now I guess we've joined the remote work trend. So video phone. I've gone from cell phones to video phones. Look at what's going on here. I'm going to stop calling a FaceTime. I'm just going to call it the video phone. <laughs> like it's 1987. <laughs> right. It's not a smartphone. You're, oh, one of those video phones. Yeah. Well, I, you remember <laughs> in the early 80s, in the, in the early to mid 80s, it was like video telephones are coming. It's where you can see the person you're on the phone with, you know, you went down oh, to Epcot. always. Yeah. So now we have the video phone. Anyway. I think of Romy and Michelle's when the future. Never saw that. Yeah. Oh, you never seen Romy and Michelle's? No, oh, there's a great video phone moment. But they, it's like it's not a phone. It's like a whole device they have to wheel into a room in the future. <laughs> I won't. I won't spoil it for you. It's That's a fantastic, fantastic movie. I've noticed with this movie, we kind of are hopping between current movies mm -hmm. on our list and eighties yeah. movies. So at some point, we'll have to do some nineties and early Nin aughts yeah, and stuff. Yeah, like that. and we should do some stuff from all the eras. Really, the I think 60s, we should sixties, the seventies, all of the eras. I just have a hunch that our audience. Um, is real into stuff from those time frames. What's happening now and the eighties, just a hunch. I don't know why. And that we should hook them. 
We got to hook them with the stuff they like, and then we can slip them a little pre-code, uh, you know, a little noir. We can slide them in there. You know, we can start talking about uh, some 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 of that that ooh, that old school that good cut stuff. Um, but we're not talking about any of those today. We're going to talk about no. the new. <laughs> The new Dungeons and Dragons movie. 2023. What's the subtitle on this? It was uh, Honor Amongst Thieves, I think. Honor Amongst Thieves, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so some some of the baseline, it's PG-13, two hours, 14 minutes. Yep. And I'm finding it like what I'm wanting to talk about sometimes, the budget is important. So I'm just going to say $150 million for this one. Big fat piece of cash. So two pretty newish directors. They're yeah. both, they're like a writer-director team. Okay. So John Francis Daly, who was in Freaks and Geeks, and then you didn't watch, you are not a Bones watcher, I would imagine, but he no. also is sweets on Bones, but he quit or left that show to write more. I'm looking him up. And it led to this, so good oh. move on him. Oh, yeah, John Francis Daly. Now there's a kid who knows his way around at D&D. Yeah, and Jonathan Goldstein, his... Seems like writing partner. They did. They wrote Spider-Man: Homecoming and Horrible Bosses, and then they directed a movie called Game Night, which I've heard is underrated. I've never seen it. Yeah, I don't know uh, that. And one. and now Dungeons and Dragons. Okay. Oh wow, they did Horrible Bosses together. Did you see that one? I haven't. I don't recall. Like, I'm not going to say it's a good movie or a smart movie or anything like that, but I do recall laughing my ass off at that movie. <laughs> okay yeah i i do recall it being fucking hilarious they're trying to murder their bosses right they yep <laughs> i mean I, <laughs> they have seems th like they, a winner probably they are for most three people. people with truly horrible bosses and they gotta kill them i don't know why they can't just quit their jobs they gotta kill their bosses <laughs> maybe i'll get into that one yeah i i like john francis daly because he was sweets on bones we've sweets watched Got it. lots of bones in this house is that one of our background procedurals gotcha word i i was just gonna say that the thing about that movie um that movie did change my perceptions about people in general um, horrible bosses did yes because there's a throwaway line in it where like they realize like we can't kill our bosses ourselves we're not experts i mean it's <laughs> we don't clean our own apartments like you hire people for that like let's hire someone to kill people and the way the line was said it was not meant to be like oh what's the word i'm looking for here it wasn't meant to be like a uh, uh self-aware accusation like the characters weren't supposed to look like privileged or pampered or whatever because they had hired cleaning persons for the, like it was just like yeah you don't clean your home like that's what that's what relatively like middle like you know middle class you know to be super sure. like that's just regular people shit i'll tell you something uh that changed my perceptions a lot that one stupid <laughs> line like i was like oh everybody's out here just getting maids that's like normal <laughs> that's not like fucking rich people shit that's just like regular people shit did not yeah didn't know that okay yeah i guess I mean, it's not it's not the most costly thing in the world to have help cleaning your home it's not the cheapest either i don't know that's true i also um i tip excessively so that's like one of my problems with that because like i just i 
I can't not. I'm a little, I'm, I think I tip excessively. Maybe I'm a really stingy bastard. <laughs> you find out they, yeah. like, they leave your house yeah. like that guy. That guy, like every other house on the block <laughs> is the slipping a hundred in my palm. And that dude, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Maybe we could talk about that. So I've got, uh, I do have some cleaners that come. They come with a crew of like four people. They're in and out of here in like an hour, hour and a half. Um, it's pretty good. I put uh, 10 bucks in each of their hands. You know, for, is that good? Is that shit? There you go. Yeah. Pull the I, audience. I'm we'll asking do a you. Community tab post. Oh, you're asking <laughs> yeah. me if that's no, I good. I need to know if I'm doing a good job here <laughs> right now. <laughs> I need $10 each for an hour and they're getting paid. They're getting it's paid. not like, yeah, that's just a tip. Yeah. That's on top. How much does the cleaning cost? Or do you not want to disclose that? I can, no, I, it's 130 bucks. I think. And so for, so you're giving a $40 tip essentially. Uh, yeah. Well, sometimes they come with a crew decent. of five. You know, one thing I've noticed is since I've started doing that, they keep coming with bigger crews. <laughs> so yeah, sure. I think it's pretty okay. I honestly don't know. I've never had a cleaner, so yes, I you don't have. know. <laughs> oh, growing up, not the one that I paid. Oh. <laughs> not like, not since I've been an adult. Uh, okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. I, I, Just because... There's something I want to ask you, but I also don't want to expose you uh why i don't pay for a cleaner <laughs> did, didn't you oh shit mary we can cut this out if this is awful for me to ask didn't you once tell me that your mom paid for your cleaner in the city or did i she was it? oh she offered to but we okay. never took her up on it oh, but yes okay. no that's that is true she <laughs> she did offer that i think for a while when okay, we were never living took her up on that got it yeah we when, yeah, we were living at the eighth street apartment we were home so little that there were like weeks where it was like, what's the point of this? We've barely been in our apartment. I don't know. It just never seemed necessary. We don't have kids mm. yet. Dude. Oh so that's a big the game changer uh, there. I think when we have kids, it'll be something we consider, but we don't have kids. I'm going to just to put a pin in this, like half the value of having like the cleaners coming is that we have to clean up right yeah like you can't just have the cleaners come in and put your kids toys away i can't do it like it just forces us to clean up first we have to clean for the cleaners yeah in a one bedroom apartment it feels a little crazy to not be able to put some things away Nah, that's a little excessive especially if you don't have kids like you just have to clean up after yourself that's exactly right yeah yeah when you have the kids it changes at the house sometimes we wish we had it but resources are her hard to find up there we do have someone do our lawn oh wow really yeah that's very because we're never up there oh yeah okay fair enough fair enough fair enough so i was like, gonna say that's not very lesbian of you <laughs> <laughs> oh i would love to do my lawn don't get me wrong <laughs> just put on some headphones oh no that sounds like that sounds like a blast you gotta get the ride on get the ride on the mower man yeah that sounds awesome i'm getting a ro i'm moving i'm getting a robot i think i'm gonna get like the the lawn roombas Ooh, i did I not know so. that existed yeah man that's it now i thought this was like dad's like time to just like not deal with the kids. Oh, I got to mow the lawn. In my sister's neighborhood, I feel like those guys mow their lawns every day. Yeah, I'm. I got. You're not that guy. I mean, I'll mow the lawn if there's no other way to get it done. But like, I got shit to do. Like, and I'm, I, I'm already not dealing with the kids a lot. So sure, I don't need, sure. I don't need any more time away from them. I don't need to come up with reasons. I have reasons. Yeah, I'm pretty busy.
All right, let's talk a little bit about this movie. Okay, maybe. so let's talk about that. Yeah, that was that was a good banter. I'm just I'm a, I just this light. I'm just I've never do this like this lighting is not for this position, right? And now it's just like it's really panding. I look very tired. I am very tired. I am. It fucking, is above your head. You yeah. you want to fill this way? Push everything up. I could underlight like I was Minor, like a like, villain in like a '90s movie. You know, just like have just it come up from my chin. <laughs> um that's all right i can't really, right. we will perfect no if we stick with remote work we'll perfect i think we should be equipped for it at visuals. any rate yeah yeah clearly um, but when we move i'm going to rebuild this whole rig and anyway anyway looking for a two-bedroom little office nook hoping to have a permanent <laughs> podcasting space we should just rename this episode to domestic life with greg and mary <laughs> How did D&D lead to the conversation about, about this? I guess he has a, he starts the movie in his domestic life well not he starts in prison but then he tells us the story about his domestic life so spoilers by the way we're going to talk about the new DD movie and there will be spoilers because we're talking about the movie and we can't do it in vagaries um well i just want to know what you think um i had fun i thought it was really fun i think that um i've been really let down not that i had high hopes but i've been let down by mcu phase four at every turn yeah and I feel like this at least had, yeah, I don't know. I, I had me laughing. It had me really pulling for the characters. I felt like Chris Pine, what's his character's name? Edgen. Let's pull up IMDb because I'm never going to remember. <laughs> yeah. It's, he's Chris Pine. Yeah, Chris Pine. Uh, you know, they give you a really simple story, easy to root for. He's trying to bring his wife back to life. He's trying to reconnect with his estranged child yep got it so but i will say the stakes are very low for me because i am not a DD player i didn't grow up playing the game i don't really have a lot of expectations here i get to kind of come in as a blank slate right yeah edgen is his name edgen or possibly edgen i don't really remember i think it's probably edgen i think it's edgen yeah you and i both have this problem i It'll take me 10 times watching a movie or TV show before I could tell you characters' names. Sometimes, yeah. Especially if it's yeah. a well-known actor. If it's not, then I'll know the characters' names right away. Yeah, it takes me a while. Like, I don't know. I don't know why I keep... Well, I know why, because I want to compare this to other PG-13 movies I like. And I think about, like, who's in Adventures in Babysitting? Who's the main character? Well, the main character is Elizabeth Shue. Uh, yes. <laughs> you know? Um <laughs> As it's, babysitter. It's, yes. Elizabeth Shue <laughs> is babysitting these actors and they go on a wild adventure together. Uh, no. <laughs> so you had fun. I have a lot of thoughts about this movie. A lot of them, it, there's like a bunch of different ways for me to look at this movie, right? There's like the, let's look at it as a movie. And then there's the, it's a D and D movie. Sure. I don't know. How do you want me to unpack all that? And do you want me to just like start talking and you can tell me when to stop? <laughs> it's a good question with this one because it's like 
for it's it's an interesting one to talk about because for me it's a Marvel movie and for you it's it's D and D. No, it is a Marvel movie. I totally agree with that. It's it's a lot like it is basically a Marvel movie, and that's what they're going for. They want to start a a DCU like a D a D and D to you. I don't know what they're going to call it, but like yeah, obviously like they're trying to do their own D and D, but Marvel. But if they turned Buffy the Vampire Slayer into a Marvel movie, if they made her that big of a superhero, like right. I would have. A really hard time with that so yeah i can understand how for you you probably have a very different reaction to this movie let me tell you about how i felt about it as a movie sure so it's what i have said a couple of times is it's a pg-13 movie and it is it's written for a 13 year old like that was my thing so for me as a something year old um it was these are 99% of these jokes I have seen a hundred times before. So they don't land for me. They just don't. Um, I've seen these character archetypes before. I'm not that invested in them. Like I just kind of can't be, um, it doesn't really work. I've seen these relationship dynamics before. I have a hard time getting invested in that. Like I'm just, for me, it's a very surfacey film that said, I recognize that if I saw this movie when I was 13 years old, I would have fucking loved it. I would be watching it. I'd get the fucking VHS and me and my friends would watch it probably every single weekend with a giant bag of Twizzlers and a Coke. And then we'd play super Nintendo and we'd love it. Um, so it's hard for me to like, but like on a personal note in a subjective sense, I didn't love it. Uh, there were a couple of things I really liked about it and a couple of moments that I thought connected, but eh, mm. yeah. Have you seen guardians of the galaxy? I liked the first one. Yeah. So it's, like almost the exact dynamics, like the setup of characters are almost exactly the same. What I liked about the first guardians though, is that it didn't, it, it had, um, it was exceedingly dark. Like the first guardians movie is just like dripping in angsty pathos, but wrapping it in this like hyper pop bubble gum, like seventies rock vibe. But like mm -hmm. the movie opens in a haunted house, like the beginning of the movie, he's walking through a dead city, seeing the ghosts of children everywhere. Like that movie from frame one till the end is about dead shit. Like it's all hidden. Like it's all kind of subtexty. I would not call it subtext, but I would say it's like just below the surface. It's that's a bleak fucking movie. And I was very interested in that juxtaposition and interplay. And I thought that was a lot of fun what they were playing with there. That's really what I loved about that movie. Um, Cause he's just like listening to his music and dancing through it. Yeah. Though. Like the yeah, whole, I mean, it's like him. the whole thing is a dance macabre, like, you yeah, know, um, sure. the whole movie from, and that's exactly right. Like they set that up right at the beginning um, and it keeps going. It keeps going like that. I, I thought that was yeah. a lot of fun. And on top of that, like there was some funny characters and great, you know, the, the people in it were good. Um, not that the people in this were bad. I don't know. It just didn't really click for me that hard. I should also full disclosure, a big, the reason I went to see this in the theater, because I was never actually excited about it. I don't know if that's something I'm supposed to say. This is the right. first movie I have seen in a movie theater in about five years. I honestly, I think that the last movie I saw in the movie theater, Toy Story four. <laughs> I saw that in the theater too. I think that's literally the last movie I saw in the theater. I'm almost certain of it. Um, and before that it was La La Land. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. yeah I that's a while back. Yeah. So Mrs. Had a Drink doesn't like going to the movies very much. 
Um, she actually has like serious anxiety issues with them ever since that dude shot up the theater in, uh, Colorado. Um, amongst other theater shootings, I think as well. Sure. That's reasonable. Yeah. It's really hard to get her to go to the theater. And also there was a pandemic. So like that was it's for right. a lot of reasons. Anyway, I went because I got an email, uh, from somebody who was a fan of how to drink and right. they were living, they, they were, they lived in Belfast, which I guess is where they did a lot of the exteriors or whatever of this film. Uh, and he said, listen, I, I got friendly with the production design crew and we were hanging out a lot and I turned them onto your show and the bar, the tavern where they spend so much time in the sign outside in, and I don't remember the name, the script of Fay run, um, whatever the, the language is for the, that Faye run is written in it's translates to, um, Greg's grog. And apparently like they told me that the, ta he tells me that the tavern is named after me. And I thought that was fucking insane. I also thought like, boy, if that's true, we got to go do an episode on it, but I had to confirm it. And I figured I would go to the movie, confirm that, or that it's there at least, and then put it to the audience as a question. And then also do some drinks based on like, well, what is Greg's grog? And then also like, I figured there'd be potions in it. Very offended. Nobody's looking out for me over there at D and D because there's not a single goddamn potion in this D and D movie for me to adapt. How do you make a D and D movie without one magic potion in it? I don't come on guys. I don't know. I got, I got kids to feed over here. You can't do that to me. That's, <laughs> That's fucked true. up, man. You got to do then just, you got to do jello shots with the gelatin cubes. That's all you got. Oh, That's the, all they gave you. The, uh, the gelatinous cube. Yeah. Gelatinous cube. Yeah. 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 It's a, it's a classic monster. It goes way back. It could, one of the things that the movie didn't show is that, uh, it can shoot coins and stuff. So like, as oh, it, it like, shoots things out of it. Yeah. 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 As it like slurps its way along a dungeon floor, it'll pick up like coins and <laughs> shoot them like a gun. <laughs> Yikes. That's yeah. That's goofy shit. So yeah, that's my general opinion. I will say, and I don't know if I should say this for later or not, because it happens at the very end of the movie. This movie did have one beat in it that I actually truly loved. Can I guess? Yeah, go ahead. The graveyard scene. No, I thought that was, I thought that was funny. I, I okay. did enjoy that. And I was shocked by how long it went on for, but yeah. like, yeah, I dug that. No, but the very end of the movie, when he, um, this is a huge spoiler, but when Michelle Rodriguez, what is her character's name? Holga, when Holga has died and him and his daughter have to decide, uh, Kira, we're going to use the tablet to resurrect her instead of the mom. And he has this realization and, and a, the exact line that I was like, Oh, that's good. You know, I realized I wasn't trying to resurrect your mom. I was trying to resurrect my wife and that the right thing for him to do for his daughter is to resurrect Holga. The one thing about that to me is that like I had, by that point in the movie, I'd kind of forgotten that Holga was Kira's adopted mom. But of course, in retrospect, I was like, oh, that's right. Like she never even met her mom. Right, exactly. Well, and someone else says to him in the movie, like, you know, your wife has been where she is. Like death is a new beginning and she's been where she is for a really long time and you're yeah. going to rip her out of that place. Yeah. At that point, I was like, this is going to play in. And then the right. second the tablet, the second Holga died, I was like, ah, got it. Yes. Yeah, but I agree. That was, it was a good beat. Whoever... I don't remember his name. The guy who was the very annoying paladin who was, he was obnoxious. What is a paladin? It's a class. It's a, it's a class in D and D they're like, um, some people call them boy scouts, but like, they're just like super duper. Uh, so their alignment 
in traditional form would have to be lawful good, which means that like, and they take an oath to be extra lawful good. Traditionally, it's a little different in 5e. Um, and that means that they like cannot deviate like from being extra super duper lawful good in AD and D if they deviated from their alignment, they lost all of their powers. So like they were on a super rail of just being extra awesome, goody, goody, two shoes, obnoxious dork. So like mm -hmm. his character was a very much an AD and D joke because in fifth edition, um, paladins just kind of like make a swear to a swear to a specific, like, um, creed and then they have to adhere to that creed but like i don't think that fifth edition can punish a player character for like failing to adhere to that creed or creed where it would just take away like stuff off your character sheet and AD, &D, it was just like yeah you're just like not a paladin anymore you just like lose all those class levels good luck got it i understand about i know 10 percent of what you just said yeah yeah um i would okay. love to play D, &D someday but we it's should do not it. i it, we if, should do it as soon as the opportunity arises i think it so, would be really fun it would be like you know how buffy's got all those powers right she's yeah. like a slayer she's not just like a t she's got powers right she's like super powered yeah mm -hmm. okay she's super like, strong she can't like fly or anything but yeah yeah it'd be like if the minute she fucked spike she immediately lost all of those powers because she like was cavorting with a vampire got it yeah and it would be very bad for a player character too because he'd be like spent like forever building this guy up and then it's just like gone, you know? Oh, wow. Okay. And it doesn't come back. It's uh, gone, gone. It's like real hard to get it back. Like you have sure. to go on okay. some like super duper quest. But anyway, like that whole thing about her, her being in like another place, that's extremely specific to Dungeons and Dragons and specifically Faerun. Run. Obviously, like lots of people here on the planet Earth believe that like, you know, there, you go to an afterlife. I don't. But a lot of people believe that. But in Dungeons and Dragons, particularly in Fey Run, you specifically go to Sigil, the city of doors, and like there are actual, like physical afterlives, you know, right. that you go to. They they are there, and the possibility is that when oh, and when you go to resurrect somebody, um, they have to agree. And that's they somewhat allude to that, yeah. yeah. Which I, I got so I, I got the feeling with this movie that like it it was also having to dance this fine line about not getting too into the weeds oh yeah but un but leaving enough of a trail there so that true fans could like get something deeper out of it yeah but i still like so i understood what they were saying about her being in another place yes. that she might want to be but you as a fan of the game would have taken so much more out of that moment than i could have it was a specific place yeah it's not just yeah. like a platitude it's like no no she's like got a job like she, she she's probably working in like a bakery or something <laughs> so. sure okay and so what what i'm like reading from fans mostly is that they appreciate that that was achieved as well as it was they yeah. felt like they didn't get abandoned completely but they kept the story understandable for newcomers yeah I, th I think that's that, well, I think that it was definitely something that you don't need to know a goddamn thing about Dungeons and Dragons to watch this movie. Yeah. Like that's fact. You don't every single thing that you would it's immaterial and it really like, that's the thing. So I, this for me is not a Dungeons and Dragons movie. Like mm -hmm. it's just not because Dungeons and Dragons is a tabletop role-playing game. A Dungeons and Dragons movie to me would be about people playing D and D. This was a Fey Run movie, and the reason okay. I'm specifying that is because, like, so Dungeons and Dragons is a set of numerical rules 
that tell you how to play the game. There is suggested setting information mm -hmm. in the sidebars. When you look in the monstrous manual, it will tell you examples of goblin culture and lifestyle and where they might live, but they are just examples. And usually they are pulled from one of a sp few specific um, campaign settings. So a campaign setting is like a fantasy world that you might run your D&D game in. And this one is Faerun, which is the Forgotten Realms, right? And the Forgotten Realms is like a super duper popular campaign setting. I think in yeah. one, in, well, in fifth edition, I think it is the default campaign setting. Um, in one edition, it was another, it was as, I don't know if it ever was before, to be honest. Quick question, quick interlude. Yeah. Campaign settings can, okay, so you can make your own or choose oh, yeah. from like a book of yep. options. Is that right? That's right. And you have to go buy that book. Like you don't right. just like get the information about Feyrun when you buy the three core books for D&D. Like that information's not in there specifically. You have to go and get the Gazetteer or the whatever they call it now, the book that tells you everything about Feyrun, where the cities are, who runs them, like in, if you want to really run that game. So my friends and I growing up, we never used a campaign setting. To me, that was always mm. like, well, that's for people who like want to play on easy mode or something. Like we just wrote our own world. You made your own. Um, the only campaign setting we ever played in was like the first time I ever played D&D. My friend who introduced me to the game ran a game in Dark Sun. Um, and it was like a, a one-shot like pre-gen adventure. And I was a Thrykreen fighter for those of you who want to know. It's like a four-armed uh, giant praying mantis man. Um, but... Um, but like other than that, like we just made our own up uh, because that's what we were supposed to do. But like there was Mistara was an early campaign setting. There was Greyhawk. There was uh, Dragonlance. There was the Forgotten Realms. There was Spelljammer. There was Planescape. There was uh, uh, Dark Sun, which I mentioned. Like what are we up to six or seven? Yeah. So the idea that the D and D movie happens in Forgotten Realms kind of rubs me the wrong way. Like if they had just called it a Forgotten Realms adventure, I think I would have not been, it wouldn't have bothered me so much. Ah, okay. But they've got to use the IP that is going to sell the most tickets. I just, I think you could do both. I think you could call it a, a, a Dungeons and Dragons adventure and, you know, uh, Honor Amongst Thieves, a Forgotten Realms d and I'm not, you know, I don't work in the marketing department, but I just sure. put it in there to identify because then, of course, you could do a Dark Sun movie as well at some point. It sounds like they will sort of, well, I, I don't know if they will. We'll see if it, it, it makes more money, but <laughs> I think their idea was probably to be able to well, it's a multiverse. roll this out yeah. in different branches and multiverse and you could make a whole yeah. mcu just out of D, D universe oh absolutely you could. but then you're right like you don't call it mcu doctor strange right you start i don't know what you do <laughs> like the big header of everything doesn't need to be the title of every movie yeah. calling it dungeons and dragons you are then is the next one going to be dungeons of dragons colon well, they're going to stick with Forgotten Realms. Forgotten Realms is the very popular campaign setting for most okay. stuff. But what's interesting is that they do have meta campaign settings, two of them that I mentioned, like uh, Forgotten Realms. Sorry, um, Planescape and um, Spelljammer specifically are campaign settings that are designed to connect all of the other campaign settings together. I do love the names of things in D&D, &D, like Owlbear. An Owlbear, yeah. Those are old school. I liked intellect devourers it's just like this is what it devourers. is yeah those gross little dogs yeah <laughs> yeah those little brain dogs little brain yeah. dogs yeah
There's very on the nose namings of things. Some things, yeah. I mean, you might be a little <laughs> pressed to figure out what a Neo G is, but that's, you know, whatever. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Uh, they're bad dudes, but. Um, or an Arakakra, which I don't, I've never been a fan of that. Yeah, it's like, and yeah, they're just like, uh, I've, I've self described myself as a grognard and I've been informed to not do that. So to me, grognard just meant it's, it's a term that meant old gamer, guy who's been around since an earlier edition. Apparently, in recent years, it now means Nazi gamer. So, <laughs> yeah, I can see how it got there. Yeah, just, racist old misogynist which i'm not uh so i don't remember i like things the old way yeah yeah exactly yeah but like in a in a negative way but i think that there was uh somebody i saw on tiktok or was like i want to use the word gary's or i forget what it was to describe what we used to call grognards since we've lost that word um but like yeah i mean there is just like in general like the the fifth edition has kind of left me behind in some ways you know the, sure. particularly the way like the setting and stuff is is the 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 way that other players expect the setting to work in, sure. in other words has kind of left me behind well i just to like a question that i was thinking as you were talking about so if this isn't a if dungeons and dragons the movie would be about people playing dungeons and dragons is sure. stranger things a dungeons and dragons story to for you? me it's much more so <laughs> yeah i like the strange i mean it's much darker it's much but I, it is it like because now knowing that 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 the final baddie they're building up to is the final baddie in Dungeons and Dragons, yes. No, nah, nah, they just use the name because the kids don't. The, so the kids use for all like the Demogorgon and the um, the Mind Flayer. They just they don't know what to call things, so they call things things from D and D. But the thing in that move in the Stranger Things that they call a mind flayer is nothing like a mind flayer. But what about the big guy with all the stuff growing out of him? I thought that was like very directly tied to Dungeons and Dragons. No, they just call it the mind flayer because it's like the big bad in any campaign might be a mind flayer, which is a real bad dude. I see. Actually, the mind flayer has a lot more to do with that intellect of our dude. So mind flayer is uh, typically like an eight foot tall, lanky humanoid with very powerful psionic powers uh with a big big squid for a head and it's got tentacles on its mouth and it eats your brain it grabs onto your head and it eats your brain um and uh, uh but it's also like a super genius like it's a it's a super genius plotter you know like you do a campaign against a mind flayer you're dealing with like you know the weird cultists and gangs and everything that he has uh kind of working in his employee right forever, and that's what know. they right that he's yeah in the last season that we saw, spoiler alert. Yeah, you realize um, that he is kind of right, the monster pulling that. all these strings. So right, exactly. in that way, it's the mind flare. That's why yeah. they're saying that, yeah. But that feels much more like a D&D &D story. Like this adventure is building around them instead of sort of the set path of things to do. Yes. I don't know. I, I, I'm not sure I follow what you're saying, but I will, con I will confer that for me, a lot about Stranger Things feels a lot more D and D than this movie did, but this movie had a lot more D and D lip service in it, like with specific sure. spells and character archetypes and like player classes and stuff like that being directly referenced. Got um, it. Which I I don't know, I'm in love with that, but okay, fine. Like I said, I would have loved this movie when I was thirteen. Yeah, um, absolutely loved it. I would have adored it. Um, it's just that, like I'm very I am bad at like putting on my 13 year old hat 
and just like letting go um and enjoying stuff in that way i'm just like i have a i have no so i'm just dead inside i think i just have a, a an emptiness in my heart <laughs> so anything that helps you put on that hat see i feel like movies like this help me get into that space a little bit where i can let the outside world go for a minute and just be 13. oh no no like for me like i lose myself in um you know what I'm like? Yeah. <laughs> the thing that makes me feel the most like I was 13 is like Perry Mason on HBO, uh, which is extremely serious, very heavy, very R rated, very dry, very not dry, but like, um, mature. And the reason is, is that like, I relate to that media as being very serious and very engrossing in the same emotional way that a 13 year old Greg would have related to this D and D movie, which is very serious, very engrossing. Like I would have been, you know what I'm saying? Like it yeah, plucks sure. the same version of that string. Now to go back to that, it has to be either something I grew up with or like maybe just in the right mood or whatever, or like really okay, dumb. So, or, yeah. You know, I mean, really like, dumb is good. Intentionally dumb works. <laughs> a different version of like, being 13 again i guess like another way i was thinking about it is like sometimes you're in the mood for a complicated a complicated drink like uh i don't know what's what's a complicated drink you can think of something that's elevated that requires that requires um, a refined a Park palette. swizzle takes about as much work as i'll ever get in oh you mean like flavor profile wise yeah like a, okay. like something bitter like a boulevardier yeah. or something like that you're not going to drink thank all you. time i was not going to reach for that that's a good example thank you for letting me off uh, so sometimes you're in the mood for that and sometimes you're in the mood for like a frozen margarita or a pina colada sure if and I'm like, making the drinks, I'm only ever in the mood for the thing that is easiest to make that will make everybody else. Sure. Happy. Okay. I, yes. I, that's a different, that's a, not this analogy. Stick with me. We're sure, in a very narrow yep. thing here. So, you know, to me, this is, this is a pina colada. This is easy, sweet, just never, fun. I'm not in the, yes. I guess when I'm in the mood for that though, I would watch cry baby or i would watch eating raul or i would watch um, why why not that's what it, i don't know that's what clicks for me that's what connects yeah, for me sure. like it's just it works good for me i don't know like this is like um it just doesn't click for me i yeah. don't know it's it's not there's no like this is candy sort of aspect for it for you mm, no it's just not it's not really. fun for you to watch not really no not really. Yeah. I that like I'm just like okay, like it was kind of work to get through. <laughs> yeah, sure. There were moments that I laughed, but I laughed because they were bad. <laughs> See, and I thought it was great. I thought like the mirror falling on the ground, like I was so in it at that point. Like it, it was a lot of little problem clever. solving and very yeah. clever. Like yeah, trap doors and and things like that so here's a question when was the last time hugh grant didn't play the bad guy in a movie because i feel like that's his deal now he just plays like you um, see hugh grant you know Notting he's the bad hill. guy <laughs> that's what i'm thinking like yeah four weddings at a funeral Notting hill yeah. uh like you know back when he was still a uh kind of a heartthrob right yeah before he well actually i might cut this because i don't know if it's true but before he cheated on his wife <laughs> uh yes he did and actually it's i was actually gonna bring that up and like how now are because at the time it was in the 90s and i i did i thought what i was told for the most part as a young man i was very young and i think i was probably in middle school when that happened um mm -hmm. 
I don't remember what year that was actually. I just remember being young, but like a big thing about it that might be lost on you is that the, he was caught having intercourse in the car with a trans hooker. Um, oh, I'm sorry. I can't say hooker anymore. Uh, trans sex worker. Um, and I want to pause on that, by the way, too. I think that the fact that sex worker has become the only acceptable term at this point, right? I think so, right? You're not supposed to say prostitute or whatever. I think yeah. that's like prostitute erasure. I'm sure there are people who are upset about that, but like there's a lot of different kinds of sex workers. Maybe we need to be more specific, you know? <laughs> I don't think that a person working in a cat house is doing the same job as a cam girl or whatever who's got an OnlyFans. They're different jobs. I think it's okay. If I, I don't know what I'm missing about that. Like prostitute's not a bad word. It's a statement of facts. <laughs> yeah, but, I don't know. I don't know any, so I can't I can't speak to their sex. I don't know either. I don't know either. Yeah. I I got to tell you something. I bet they're not the most sensitive people. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think I it's think more you go into that so work that when you got some thick skin, <laughs> I think it's more so that people take it seriously as work. I agree with that. I think it yeah. is work. And I, I totally agree with that. Um, I just think I saw something recently. I was on a TikTok. I, I, it was a creator who I felt like had some skin in this game. And it was just like, they were saying, and a lot of people were agreeing. I think these were, if I'm not mistaken, these were, these people were black and they were like, yeah, all of this shit where we can't say this or anywhere, that's white women who don't know how else to deal with their like uselessness in the cause. Like they just got to change yeah. the names of shit. I think that's possible. <laughs> it's like, I am an ally because I say, I changed the name. I decided. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I respect the right way to say this. Yeah. I think there's a lot I of that going just around as involved with in this fight right as you. That's... <laughs> I think there's that that applies to many communities at this point. I'm important. Center me. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, but um, I don't know though. Maybe people. Maybe there is a huge outrage about that. And if you know, I'm always like, we can be educated. Always, I'm always. Mm -hmm. If if, uh, but I I want to hear it from the people who. If you have, if you got skin in the game, and you say, Greg, don't call me that. I'm like, oh, okay, fine. Got it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, but if absolutely. some third party person says, you know, that's not, that's not that's what we not say what anymore. That's not what you should do. Yeah, yeah. That's not what we say anymore. And I'm like, are you, this is what you do for a living? No, but that's not what we're saying. Okay. Fuck you. I don't give a shit. Your opinion <laughs> Need means to nothing hear it from to the source, directly from the source material. Uh, kinda. Yeah. Kinda. <laughs> um, A little bit. Yes. I don't yeah, want to. I agree uh, with that. Yeah. I don't know. I, I wouldn't. Um. Anyway, this is a little off topic for the D. It is movie. off topic. Yeah, a little bit. Here we go. You know, I can bring us back on topic. Bring me I have no topic. segue though. This is gonna be this is gonna be a, a cold hard transition. A, uh, <laughs> we'll go to commercial. So I did notice while I was watching this movie that I felt like it was more tangible than most like big budget franchise CG movies that I've seen oh. lately. So I went digging into that a little bit and did find that like, especially for the dragons and a lot of the characters, there was a lot more puppetry used really? in this movie. Yeah. Like a lot of the dragons, uh, How many they were dragons acting were against there? puppets. There was like the big guy at the end. There were, the big fat two dragon. or three yeah there was the one that like spit rocks 
Oh no no no! Point. That was acid. That was the the, the, the oh black it was dragon. acid. I thought it was. I literally thought it was. <laughs> I didn't like how thick they made that look, but whatever. Yeah, yeah. It was a black dragon. Black dragon spit acid instead of fire. Um, Good to know. Yeah, and I did. I I felt like the locations were more tangible. Like there was less clear green screen locations. Like one thing that was driving us nuts about. They might have used a lot of virtual sets. Yeah, well, so, and I think they shot a bunch of stuff on location, but even the yeah. um, the graveyard scene, like, yeah. I, I have to look into, I haven't, I lose, I miss DVD extras so much. Me I was too. searching for, like, Me too. their special effects, BTS yep. stuff yep. all over the internet today, and it is not easy to find. Man, do I miss that stuff. Me too. That was film school, before film school. Yeah, absolutely. There was a show on the Discovery Channel when it was actually educational, when I was in like middle and high school called Movie Magic, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. And it was just like a weekly show. I never missed it. There were so sh few shows I like never missed. I never missed this show. That was just behind the scenes, how we made this movie yeah. show. It was awesome. Loved yeah. that show. But I, I, yeah, I was happy to hear. I felt, I see, and this is, now I need to go searching for this. I didn't search specifically for the graveyard scene but that scene felt so tangible to me like not yeah as tangible as return of the living dead but i immediately thought of returning return of yeah. the living dead they probably were puppets i mean if, if you're selling that's a scene you would definitely use puppets for if you're using yeah. puppets in the movie that's a scene you'd use them for and it felt like it so i think that is a triumph here for sure i agree i would say that none of the special effects immediately took me out of the scene that's true yeah. I'm down with that. <laughs> check. Check in the okay check. column. Yeah. I mean, it was good at that. <laughs> I don't know. I the, the whole for me, too, though, is that like, okay, I think that I think that there's no way that you're going to see a Dungeons and Dragons movie that's not a cartoonish, fun romp, mm -hmm. like a comedy romp. Like, there's no way you're going to see that. But that ain't how me and my friends ever played D and D. Um, we were never planning for comedy. You find like comedy happens like on right. its own. And those moments like are fine. When you're hanging out with your friends, comedy happens, but you're not yeah. like actively trying to act out comedy at each other. But like that, the I'm from like a generation of players where it was like, there was nothing worse than the character who showed the player who showed up with like the joke character who tried to make a joke mm. character like get the fuck out of the table get yeah. out of the table it's like when we i used to play mass vampire the masquerade which is a role-playing game where you're vampires and uh the it, it, it's interesting yeah it's fun uh the guy who always wanted to play the malkavian get out of the table get out get yeah. away malkavian by the way Mary, if you don't know this but they they're they're crazy they have mental illness and it would always just be somebody who wanted to play it real goofy as opposed to a person who actually had paranoid schizophrenia. Like, just play it straight, you know? Isn't this kind of, though, like the critical role brand of Dungeons and oh, Dragons? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So there's a big fan base for really just watching it as entertainment and watching the stories get built by voice actors, right? Yeah. Comedians, voice actors, improvers. Yeah. Although I do want to point out that critical role takes place in a campaign setting that matt mercer wrote not in the forgotten realms sure i just meant D D in general as a, yeah, yeah the brand yeah they, i think that fifth edition is meant to be really accessible in that way 
Um, maybe less so than fourth edition in some ways, but whatever. Um, it's actually, it's just meant to sell books on books on books. And then, um, and I do think that like, yeah, the big stars of the, the game right now are, are for years have been the critical role crew and also the D 20 crew with Matt, with, with yeah. Brennan, our pal. Um, yeah. and I think that they've kind of, they've moved the game into that direction that, and that, that, but I don't know that like, that's what their tables are like that they're running on their own you know, at home. Right. Yeah. I know that there's a lot of insider talk about that type of stuff. I think there's a difference between a putting on a show and, and playing the game for your friends. Yeah. I wouldn't actually know because I'm not at those tables. Nobody invites me. <laughs> um, I think, yeah. Probably because I'm an any... obnoxious old grognard. <laughs> I feel like, yeah, I have one at every table though, right? <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think so. <laughs> no, no, wrong. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think like I'm curious to see how this franchise is out because uh why? I'm certain they will make more. What do you what? think is well, I mean, I'm I'm not I'm not curious like, oh, I can't wait to see the next movie curious. I'm like, curious which way to are they see going? Like, you know which way if they going. switch up stories or if if yeah. it's like more of an anthology or if they're going to stick with Chris Pine on his next next adventure. I think it'd be really cool if they made it an anthology. Um that would actually interest me a lot. That would be very D&D-ish if like the next movie was a different campaign setting or different right. characters or something like that. Yeah, that would be very cool. Um or if they branch I, out to different campaigns. They're not going to do that, though. They're going to keep the cast that made the money. They're gonna... <laughs> but it didn't make the money. It didn't? Oh, was it a flop? Well, yeah. I think comparatively. Like, I know domestically they made, like, $75 million, but internationally Ooh. they've made they've made $158 million, I, I guess. Ooh. No, not when you spend 150 to make the film. And no. That's an estimate. And like, knows how very much over clearly, that they are. like trying to make a Marvel movie that makes oh three three hundred yeah five four hundred million yeah yeah I, I mean ouch Hasbro ouch <laughs> yeah it's rough. So I think like I, everyone always says like I, I was reading an article. I was looking for articles about franchises because I realized we're probably not going to cover a ton of franchises on the podcast, and this might be an opportunity we'll probably cover a lot of movies that started a franchise possibly but like not a franchise like the mcu no. or uh like i don't know like what are what is like all of the top grossing movies of last year yeah. besides top gun maverick which isn't technically a franchise I wouldn't it's call a, it a franchise. sequel yeah yeah but like black panther i guess avatar is making itself a franchise by the second movie by announcing like eight new movies coming after it. Yeah. Well, he filmed four at once, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So Dr. Strange, Jurassic world, minions, Thor, Spider-Man, Sonic, the hedgehog. I mean, Sonic's a tough one to call a franchise, but go on. They made two. Well, but like it's, it is in the same way that Mario brothers is. It's yeah. not the movie. That's a franchise. Right, right. It's the, the brand. IP. Yeah. That's a franchise. Yeah. And then you have to go all the way down to like the 12th grossing, grossing movie of the year to find Elvis, which is the only movie that's just a movie that's going to stand alone. They're 
probably won't be a sequel. Well, I mean, <laughs> there's a huge IP of like decades of collectible plates behind it. So <laughs> very true. I mean, it's it's definitely, but it's a it's a Franklin uh, Mint coins and so it's a biopic. You know, at the end of the day, that's what I would call a boomer flick. It's for boomers. <laughs> well, did well. So it's a lot of boomers um, out there. And then you know, this year, same thing. You got Mario Brothers. Sure. Ant-Man, John Wick, and then, but then you're starting to see things like Megan Breakthrough and like Cocaine Bear Breakthrough. I can't watch that Megan movie. Why not? It's fucking, I can't look at that thing. It's so good. So far, I've been making a list of the movies I see this year, and it's the top of my list. It's my favorite movie. I can't look at that thing. I can't look at that thing. Nope. It's so good. It's like that Battle of uh, Angel Alita that came out. Can't look at it. I can't look at that. Yeah. Thing. Did you see that one? No. It was James Cameron many years ago, but when he was like, I'm not making movies until 3D technology has caught up with where I want it to be. <laughs> Still waiting. Still well, not no. Making I mean, he <laughs> built the technology, he revolutionized yeah making movies in three dimensions it's just that nobody else wanted it but him um so he's like the only like uh 3d savant you know that's his thing like um christopher nolan is like the last dude doing film that's his deal he only shoots film anyway but like he said and when the 3d catches up i'm gonna make one of two movies either this thing avatar i want to do or battle angel alita which is based on this manga that i really liked and I guess he like handed Battle Angel off to somebody else and he just kind of produced it. But um, you know what anime eyes are? Yeah. The like, yeah, big eyes. Yeah. 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 So Battle Angel Alita is a live action movie with a lot of CG, like a ton of CG, but like they gave the main character anime eyes. I can't look at that movie. I just physically. Oh, can't. really? It's. It, ooh, uncanny valley doesn't do that term sure. it's, oh man i was like ah, i can't look at this movie <laughs> that's funny see i could see that with something that's like a slight difference like that but like she's very clearly a robot you know so yeah it's not like she's almost human like like she's really not ever almost human like do me a favor just look up battle age just look up alita real quick because i want to know your response how do you spell it hold on i'll find it and then i'll screen share it to you perfect this is the perfect image okay this is what it looks like and she's also the main character of the movie so you have to look at her all the fucking time Look at that. You got to look at that the whole movie. You see that? Yeah, that's weird. That's I, so I don't that <laughs> you don't get that's not how Megan looks. The whole movie, she talks, she walks, she <laughs> Yeah, she interacts I can see how that humans. would be off putting. Dude, I can't. It looks like a bad photo And everyone's filter. just treating her like she's normal. This is normal for that world. Okay, yeah, exactly. Got it. Okay. Absolutely. Can't do it. I can't do it. I'm sorry. I highly, re- I highly recommend you give it a try. All right. Actually, All right. with that movie, I do. I'll four drinks but... and then we'll watch it. <laughs> yeah, we'll cover it. We'll wait till Halloween. Okay. Um, but anyway, my point just being that, like, Megan right now is higher domestically grossing than D and D, and that's brutal. It's a movie I barely even heard about. <laughs> I don't know. For for ten years, everybody's 
been saying we're going to start to slip away from the franchise and that people's appetites for like just like you're saying the jokes are all the same everything's predictable we've seen it like it's recycled it's just like we've become numb to it right i think a big part of like when i talk to people about what they like about it what they like about it these franchises is the coziness of the parasocial relationship that they have with these fictional characters who they get to come back to again and again and again yeah. and again. Um, but I don't think like, I, I mean, there's a reason that murder she wrote and Columbo didn't have hundred million dollar budgets. Like, you know, they just, <laughs> it's, it's like that only goes so far. There's a market yeah. for it. And I think that the market peaked for it, but I kind of think that, yeah, exactly. Like that's, what's peaked the interest in like cozy little cuddly pretend friends. Um, and so like the budgets are going to return for the justifiable budgets for that kind of content might return to like, you know, procedural drama television. Yeah. Um, and you see kind of the death of these movies. I think they'll be there. I mean, they're still the last two years, the top, 15 highest grossing movies are mostly franchised movies. Don't crush my dreams, Meredith. But you're seeing it start to peek in. Like you definitely are. Like these there's nothing to sneeze at with these other movies. Like everything everywhere all at once. Yeah. Made 70 million, Barbarian made 40 million, Menu made 41 million. Like And they did that on smaller And they cost budgets. less. Yeah, so exactly. these are all grosses. This right. is not net. So if those movies are netting out, then yeah, I think you'll see Well, what were their budgets? Wait. I don't know what their budgets were. I didn't like do a budget analysis, but I have to assume that if you're Sonic the Hedgehog and you're not grossing at least 200 million, then if you're 150 million to make then maybe everything everywhere all at once is a more profitable movie for you i don't know james cameron made a deal with sony that if he ever releases a movie that's not the top grossing film of all time he has to give them his pancreas <laughs> it's pancreas yeah he has to have it cut out of his Why? body and it goes up on i made that up obviously <laughs> I you think this is like was some real? insane, what? weird, like thing that he said in an interview or something. <laughs> I didn't no, think it was I, actually going to happen. No. But. <laughs> you, you know, gullible's not in the dictionary. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I just like, um, I guess in summation, not for me, competently made, well-made film, definitely going to find an audience. People are going to love this movie. Um, I don't think it needed to be a D and D movie. I don't think that being a D and D movie, like, I don't think that the lip service paid to D and D does anything for the story. It just is an excuse. Like it's a fairly hollow excuse to have an, a built in audience. Right. And I think that that's probably the place where this movie falls the most flat. Like there are. D and D characters like Strahd and uh, you know, I'm trying to think of like a few other, I don't know. I never, like I said, I never really played any pre-made campaign settings. The only two that are coming to mind is the lady of pain and uh, Strahd. Um, but like you didn't really use them in this movie other than the red wizards of Thay. I think um, they're like built in characters and like their head dude. I guess too, like 
I read somewhere that the magician's grandfather is like a well-known D&D oh, character. Okay. I would yeah. assume that the fat dragon was too. Like you wouldn't just like. Yeah, he, that's true. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So like I, they're not, but like the, the thing about the Marvel movies is like, sure. They have like a great thing about them is that they have this automatic audience of comics fans, right? Like that's why they started doing that. But also if you're going to, you can't make a Marvel movie without making a Marvel movie. Like you have to use the Marvel characters if you're going to do that. Right. Like they're, they're necessary. They're not just like, it's not just like an artificial, like let's slap an IP on top of it so that we get that IP's audience. Like you're making the IP into the movie. I don't really feel like that's what happened here. I kind of feel like this is a fantasy movie. Can we make it a D and D movie? Yeah, that's cool. And then we can, I don't, and, I, and now I want to say workflow wise, I don't think that's what happened. I just don't think that there's anything inherent to this movie's plot that is dependent or setting or anything that needed to be a D and D movie. And I think that that tenuous connection in some way that I m- might not be able to that might be somewhat intangible weakens the film. I can't speak to that. Not being a D and D game fan, but do you think, yeah. do most people play without these settings or do most people play within these settings? Therefore would like to see them portrayed. So we didn't have the internet like that we do now. Like there was no, like the idea that you could play D and D over the internet with your friends was like some fantastical science fiction concept when I was a kid. So I played D and D with the people I knew in high school. <laughs> Right. There's a <laughs> so because my camera gets rooted through OBS, uh, a someone just followed me on Twitch, and so an alert showed up on my oh, camera. So that's, that's baked into the show now. <laughs> so lucky you, you're semi-famous. I don't know, <laughs> in a weird small circle. So I don't know. I, I I so what I was gonna say was though is that like growing up, I can tell you. I don't know anybody who used inbuilt campaign settings, you know, and if we did, it was like, you know, a pre-gen, like I remember somebody was going to like, we're going to run the tomb of elemental evil, which is like a specific adventure. Right. But you weren't communicating with other, other players and how they played necessarily. No. And I, I think that now a lot of people play forgotten realms. I think a lot of people play forgotten realms. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that that is probably I think that's what people are doing. And I don't know that it even occurs to people that they don't have to, um, which kind of bums me out. I saw like a tweet a while ago, or maybe it was a TikTok, and it was like a younger person who has discovered D&D because that's great. So many young people are playing D&D. And I think she was complaining that like, it's very frustrating because so many of these old dudes have been playing D&D for so long and they they don't realize that we haven't had the time to learn the lore and they just talk over our heads. Like they don't, they don't uh, have any mm. allowance for people to learn it. Sure. They've had decades to wrap their heads around this stuff. Yeah. But I, I replied, I was like, but there is no lore. You're doing it wrong. There's no lore. You just make up the lore. We don't, there's no, we don't have the lore memorized. There's no lore. But if they're coming to it and there's people, but yeah, but you know how people get with like, oh, you don't know what that is. Like if you're coming to it and people are like purposefully talking over your head, to show you their knowledge like that would suck well one yes that would suck but i don't think you don't think that's I, what's happening no i don't i don't think so i mean i i don't know i, I think people I, really like to tell you what they know at any given at any opportunity they can i mean there are definitely nerds who are kind of like that but i i yeah. also don't think that this person was at those tables this is about online discussions 
Okay. Um, yeah. You know, and I think that I just I don't know, and I can't imagine um elder D Dsmans who are invested in the flavor text. Because for us that's what it was. You know, you open up you open up uh if you ever played Magic the Gathering, there's stuff on the cards called the flavor text, and they allude to a story. But there's no story. You know, mm. it'd be like you'd play like um I'm trying to remember one, but like, you know, uh uh golden sven or something like that you know it's like a, oh it's a green card and it's like a, somebody's house and then there'd be like a quote about it like in golden sven they make a rare tea or something like that like that many a traveler has enjoyed but it's meaningless it's just like oh it just evokes a thing you open up the monstrous manual manual and you look up you know uh knoll and it tells you that knolls have this stat block this is what they can do and then there's a couple pages explaining how, like, well, actually, gnolls are demons that are in the service of Orcus, and then they like they corrupt and take the bodies of these uh, um, uh, hyenas, and then they corrupt them into like a bipedal form, and that they're in pain all the time. But like, all of that is just flavor text. Like, that doesn't matter to anybody's campaign at all, except for the person who wrote the monstrous manual. The only mm. part you care about when you're running D and D is the numbers the numbers and then you could take that stat block and it's not even a hyena man it's whatever you decide it is for your game because that stat block is the only part of that character that's like unique and important that matters right right and, and that's the way we all played D D. like growing up that sure. was that was it and i don't know anybody who ever approached i've never been at a table with somebody who approached the game in a different way mm -hmm. so that's why i was like it was so confusing i was like it was like saying true to these manuals yeah it's not to me it was like it's not that you're you don't know the lore it's i think that people are kind of confused by the fact that you're investing yourself in this lore that was my read on it i don't know and i was just like yeah, yeah that's weird why are you doing that <laughs> because it's fun people like to do that people like to be told stories yeah well i i think too and i saw somewhere else is that like the the disconnect is that a lot of people like my generation of old dudes came to D D by way of another old dude a nerd who was like, hey man, I got these dice. You want to play D D? Oh, what's that? Uh, let me show you. And then you go after school and you play D D, and you're like, holy shit, my mind is blown. Let's do that again. Whereas yeah. a lot of other, like the new gen, um, particularly the, the ladies who have gotten into the game, they come from fan fiction. They come from mm. writing fan fiction, reading fan fiction, and fan fiction. Right. Well, and I would imagine a lot of and blogs, and like they have a very different attitude about all right. this stuff. A lot of people have probably been watching D D games for years before they ever and try and play it. Now that's the yeah. thing. It was not a thing when I was a kid. It was it was nowhere. That makes sense. And I've said this before too. And I think that Matt Mercer does a ton. Des and the whole crew, they deserve a ton of credit for normalizing normalizing D and D. Because again, when I was a kid, being a nerd meant you get your ass kicked. That's what it meant. Um, it didn't mean like that's the thing that bugs me. As an old guy, <laughs> nerd now seems to mean person who enjoys pop culture, which is like yes. That's all of you. That's everybody. Back then, it just meant, no, I get my ass kicked a lot. And then yeah. I have to get into these weird hobbies because I'm not allowed to show my face elsewhere. Yeah. Um, um, it was a, the other way around it happened. But um, well, I think you only had your social circles at school when you were younger. And now people can find each other. They don't have to be popular at school. They can go home and be popular with their friends on the Internet. And that's great. I actually yes. think that's a great thing about. The I think it's a great thing too. I think it's a great yeah. thing too. Um, but I, I digress. I do. I just always want to give a shout out to Vin Diesel because when I was a kid, Vin Diesel, who is like this jacked buff, 
mainstream action movie star at the time coming out on still Conan is o fast and the furious yeah right. going on conan o'brien and talking about the 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 character he played in D D for like 30 years to get up to 20th level and conan o'brien kind of making fun of him for it a little bit and uh vin diesel just being like that's right man that's right D, &D like saved my life and like that really did a lot for all of us to normalize D, &D when i was yeah so people forget vin People don't forget. Don't be forgetting Vin Diesel. I don't think people do. People, uh, s someone was making the point that Michelle Rodriguez, who's in this movie, who's co-stars with Vin Diesel in, oh, yeah. uh, in the Fast and the Furious franchise, has become a big fan of D and D because of Vin Diesel. Like she's played, she started playing. So they were they were asking. Someone put up the question of who in the cast actually like is the biggest D and D fan, and I guess. Sophia uh, Lillis was the biggest fan. She's the character with the horns. Of course, but she second is. to her was Michelle Rodriguez, and it sounded like they had all done a table, like they had all played a game together. Yes, because they said Sophia Lillis was like the rock star player, but Michelle Rodriguez definitely knew her way around the game. So Vin is an evangelist for the the community of at large of D and D. That's that's what I hear. But um, he also wrote the foreword to a big coffee table book uh, that I had a copy of. I don't know. I've moved so many times. I don't know what happened to it. It was called 20 Years of Adventure. It was the 20th anniversary of the D&D game coming out. Yeah. Um, but do you know who else he taught to play D&D? And I think this is, I love Michelle, but this is the bigger one. <laughs> sure. Who? Mr. Vin Diesel was in a little film called The Chronicles of Riddick, a follow-up to uh, uh, Pitch Black, the movie in which he played Riddick. Um, and on the set of that, he taught Judy Dench to play D&D, &D, and she fell in Amazing. love with it and now runs games for her grandkids, she says. Oh, in God, I love that. I know, that's I know. wonderful. I think that's awesome. I don't think there's any other, uh, any better way to possibly end this episode. I mean, we should probably have final. I mean, like, I, I talked about D&D &D for a long time. You sure. liked this movie. I thought it was fine. I'm just not the audience for it. I'm with you. Like, I don't, it's not... It's not a masterpiece. It's not a movie I'm going to be like dying to show my kids someday. Like yeah. it, it's, it doesn't fall in any of those categories. But Friday night at the movie theater, some popcorn, perfectly good sure. way to spend an evening for me. Yeah. That's an interesting question. Like if I wanted to introduce my kids to a movie that inspired, that felt like D&D &D to me, I would probably reach for the movies that we watched that would inspire our games before we played D D, like Conan the Barbarian, for sure. example, and stuff like that. Yeah. That like the game we built our games from. Those were the D D movies for us. You know, yeah. crawl. <laughs> just fantasy films that aren't trying to be franchises. They just exist to exist. And I do want to say, because I'm hoping that there's some real nerds out there listening. I just want to talk about Chronicles of Riddick for one second. I just have a, a fan theory, uh, knowing that Vin Diesel is a giant nerd who plays Warhammer 40K as well. Chronicles of Riddick, I think, is the closest thing you're ever going to get to a 40K movie. Riddick is a Primarch who is uh, discovers his legion and takes command of it by the end of the movie. The guy's been to the Underverse and he got all special powers because he's like dead inside now. Come on, if that's not a 40K, dude, they have psychers, they have astropaths that communicate. They use psychic people to communicate over space and stuff like that in that movie, especially in the in the director's cut. It's a that's a 40K movie. That's a 40K movie um that's my fan theory i understood the words psychic and movie and director's cut yep i said psyker 
so you didn't hear me but psychic yeah sure movie director's cut (laughs) (laughs) i think this was an episode of midnight local i don't know if it's in there i think it was all over the place there wasn't a lot for me to say about this movie i did i didn't think we were all i thought we got to it i thought we were in it for a while yeah maybe it's a D episode an episode about a movie and a the concept of D, but that's 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 what we're doing over here we're doing that yeah that's true off topic is our as our brand at this point it should be it's not even off topic it's just expanding the topic i've I watched so topics. many trying to like to get into this movie today i watched so many reviews of like and then there was this scene and then this is funny and then this is clever and this is this and yeah. it's like that's fine. You don't need to tell someone to tell you it's okay to go see a movie. Like, I would hope that people who listen to this podcast either want to see a movie after we've talked to it or saw it and feel like this is an expanded conversation on this movie yep. and not just bullet points of it passes the critic test or it doesn't. I do have a couple more movie thoughts that I feel like people are going to call me out on if I don't mention them. Okay. Go ahead. Don't get called out. One. Um, I do think that the movie did a really good job of establishing stakes. Like I couldn't believe how hardcore mm-hmm. this movie went with, no, I'm just taking your daughter. <laughs> like I was like, holy shit, yeah. that's fucked up, man. Uh, <laughs> and I'm going to to teach her that you you abandon her. And yeah, yeah, that, yeah. that's hard. That was deep. And then the other one is that the a lot of the nerds were upset at the trailer and in the movie that she turns into a, an owl bear. Because you can't really do that if you're a druid. I don't know. I never played a fucking druid, so I don't know. Uh, I don't give a shit either. Um, And then uh, the other one, uh, my my pet peeve, though, and again, I never played a druid. I'm sorry. I never played a bard, right? But our main character is a bard. Um, I never played one. I've never been at a table with one that I know of. I do know that way back in Yan olden times in AD&D bard was like an extremely rare class because of the requirements you had to establish in character creation to be one. And also like they do serious magic, magic, like they do magic. Like they, they are like sorcerers, just like that sorcerer character is, um, in a more specific way in this movie. I don't think we ever, and I don't know how they're running fifth edition, but like, I know they do magic. I don't think we ever once see him do magic. No, but he's kind of written off being a bard, no? No. He like he throws yeah, he has. He throws his book into the fire after his wife dies and he's like abandoned. No, no, no. That's the organization he was a member of. The uh the secret spy guys. I forget their names. Oh, okay. He is a bard. Like that's what he is. But unless he's a thief who happens unless he's just a rogue who happens to play the loot, maybe that's what he's not a bard at all. That would explain some of that. But then you never see him do anything roguery either no i've heard him described that way so i'm just misremembering how that functions no i i think that probably also too is that like yeah exactly that's like you wouldn't uh, that's a connection that was probably lost on you that the movie didn't explain clear enough because it was relying on D nerds understanding the difference between those two things um anyway now we're all done for sure now i think it was an episode now now i'm good <laughs> 
that three minutes. Sorry. I just had to get that changes, out. Changes everything. Well, the bard thing is a thing that was on my mind. I did want to give the movie credit where it was due. And then the owlbear I wanted to acknowledge because I'm worried that every fucking comment is going to be about the stupid owlbear thing. And like, I couldn't give a shit if she turned into whatever. It doesn't bother me. I think that's the type of stuff that, that the people online who are saying they're starting games, saying these old people like holding like, like we don't know all the lore yet and you've had years to learn it it's that type of stuff that's not lore that's probably that's just right there it tells you what you can turn into okay so you just cannot you can't make that mistake yeah i mean i mean if you remember if you're playing a druid you can't make that now it's funny they've actually they have rules that they're testing right now that would allow you to turn into an owlbear um they're play testing those and i think that they have to match the film because everybody's gonna want to do it yeah yeah exactly this is like i mean if this is a big commercial for D, then you know what's gonna happen next yeah druids can wild shape into animals they can't wild shape into monstrous creatures and an owlbear is a monstrous creature so cool i don't i don't know i don't make the rules you know that's the rules that's the rules that's the, the rules. rules so we never know how to sign off these things it's up to say Bye. We have a TikTok now. <laughs> if you made it to the end of the episode, yeah, yeah, go find us on TikTok. All right. Let's find out in a week or two if this uh, whole remote recording thing is like a viable way of doing business. I don't know. It could work. All the podcasters do it, Greg. Yeah. Well, if all the podcasters jumped off a bridge, you know, I'm not doing that. It depends. Is it like a... I don't know. I'd have to think. I'd have to think about it. Does that bridge offer you freedom of of time and and, and two hours of commute time to your life every day? No, man. It just offers you a compressed spine and possible paraplegia. I mean, like, oh, you're not talking about a real bridge. I'm talking about a real bridge. No, no, no. <laughs> All right. Well, special thanks to Studio 71, who's helping us put this podcast together. Annie Villalobos, our uh, 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 producer as well. And Heather Vaughn, who did our artwork. You'll find Midnight Local if you want to watch it. It's over there on YouTube at youtube.com slash Midnight Local, a very powerful URL. They're not handing those out anymore. Or over at uh, anywhere you get your podcasts. So go get it. <laughs> get it. Put it in your ears. <laughs> subscribe now. Well, and if you're listening, then you've, you've done it. So subscribe. Supplies are running out. Get them before <laughs> they're gone. Bye. All right. Bye. <laughs>